Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. So, Neil, before we get to the League of Ireland, you were at the Aviva yesterday. Um, a big win for Ireland. Uh, were you impressed with the performance? Yeah, I was because they, they had to really dig deep. I mean, in the first instance, they had obviously lost Robbie Henshaw before the game and with Bundy Aki suspended. Um, you know, they were missing a couple of options at centre. So Stuart McCluskey came in for probably his most meaningful game since his debut six and a half years ago. And then he goes off within half an hour. Conor Murray goes off and is 100 cap. Um, Tyke Furlong can't come back out for the second half. So there were a lot of variables um, thrown in their kind of direction and they, they dealt with all of them and um, you know it was kind of a nip and tuck first half the penalties exchanged uh, obviously South Africa had a man sent to the bin for call base tackle on, on Hansen and Ireland didn't really press on the advantage at that stage but they were after the break when their opportunities came they were clinical and you know despite having players on the pitch who if everyone was available you wouldn't expect to be there you know they ground out a win against the a top class side and you know sometimes results in November can be overplayed um, but I think it was just the manner of the victory and the circumstances around it which probably uh, kind of resonated in terms of um, you know seeing it as a big win Yeah I don't know if you would have seen it as I said you were at the game so you were probably busy working afterwards but Joe Malloy on Virgin put it to Rob Kearney after the game that we've we've sort of seen this before with Ireland and November internationals putting in big put big performances getting wins against big teams but when it comes to the World Cup we kind of fall flat and he suggested that this is maybe history repeating itself. Rob Kearney was very kind of uh, vehement on that one and he maintained that this is completely different this time around, that we've shown we have several different game plans, whereas he maintained a few years ago maybe we had a plan A and no plan B. Is that is that a fair comment? Because he was, he, was uh, he was quite fired up about that particular point, Rob was. I guess the proof will be in the pudding. You know, nobody can kind of say this far out whether it is history repeating itself. And the, the same thought did occur to me but um, I guess if you look at the first, sorry, if you look at the two tries they scored yesterday, obviously the first is a line-out mall, well executed. Mm. And, you know, Joe Schmidt was was really hot in those things. So that worked well for Ireland. But you look at the second try um, and the different elements that were involved in that in terms of uh, Kellen Doris's bit of skill, keeping the ball in touch at the near touch line and Jemison Gibson's park, uh, his, his clever running line. And then just having men in support and, and really cut South Africa open. And I, I guess that kind of showed the two sides to Ireland game, Ireland's game, which maybe Rob was alluding to, you know, OK, that doesn't necessarily define a game plan to, to sure. scores as such. But um, there is definitely more than one string to this team's bow. The, their ability to play has um, 
I guess their license to play has, has been increased since Andy Farrell came in. You know, they are encouraged to, to try different things, to play what's in front of them rather than follow what was probably a more rigid game plan under Joe Schmidt, which let's not forget was very successful. But ultimately, when it came to that final test of the World Cup, it, you know, it went the same way as every other World Cup for Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. One final question on uh, yesterday. How did you uh, enjoy the musical interludes when the game was stopped? Uh, I wouldn't be a fan. Um, they uh, they weren't as intrusive as perhaps um, uh, the RDS the previous night when uh, when Joe McCarthy was going off for a HIA and Beautiful Day suddenly started playing, which, you know, probably not appropriate in the, in the circumstances. And again, you know, I think the kind of game it was, it, it was... A, uh, more than able to, get, to create its own atmosphere uh, without, you know, the musical intervention. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to see them stay. Yeah, well, well, we'll just have to wait and see what what happens there. The IRFU seem keen on uh, on getting that kind of stuff introduced to the matches. But what we got you on to talk about was the League of Ireland final round of games tonight. Everything pretty much decided. I mean, obviously, St Patrick's Athletic will have an eye on next weekend's FAI Cup final, hoping that Derry get the win there so they can squeak into Europe. But I guess it went as as people would have expected, Neil, in terms of Shamrock Rovers have won the league with a little bit to spare in the end. It looked like, you know, we were going to have a title battle, but Derry, unfortunately for them, just came up a little bit short. But I guess from our, our own point of view here now, MFM, Dundalk getting back into Europe, who's just looking at it at, the, at it versus last year, they're 15 points better off. Stephen O'Donnell came in at the start of the season. We all know what happened with him leaving Pats, but... I mean, Dundalk, it's been, a, it's been a fantastic season for them, especially when you consider, you know, they were missing Pat Hooban for a lot of the season, Daniel Kelly for a lot of the season. They lost Duffy McElhenney last year. They lost Mark Conley during the season. So it's been a, not quite maybe a miracle from Stephen O'Donnell there, but he's done a hell of a job to get them back into Europe in his first season. Yeah, definitely. And it's unlikely, but, you know, they, if they were to win by three goals today, and, you know, Derry's eye could be off the ball with the cup final that they would actually finish second. So... Mm. Uh, to be in that position with a game to go is is credit to the job that he's done. Um, like you say, he he has he, he recruited well, like both with, within and within the league and from outside it. You know, there's no guarantee when you bring players um, from outside the league how they'll do. But he had at St. Pat's um, kind of shown a willingness to go outside and bring players in. And, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was an unqualified success, but there were more successes than failures when it came to that policy. And that, that's been the case um, with Dundalk as well, I guess the standout standouts probably have been the keeper Nathan Shepherd um, and Stephen Bradley on loan from Hibs. Like you say, losing Connolly uh, mid-season was a blow, and you know I, I think that probably went a long way to explaining why they kind of tailed off a bit um, in the second half of the season because at one point they were being spoken of as title challengers, and I know Stephen himself wasn't too interested in that kind of chat, which is understandable, but. Mm. Um, I, I looked at. I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but I, I did. I did look them up last week for a piece I was doing, where, in which I put Connolly into the team of the year. And in, in both instances, uh, Dundalk conceded a lot more goals after he left, and by the same token, Derry conceded far fewer after he went there. Um, you know, and that's not just coincidental. It was kind of the, the contribution he made. Uh, like you say, Dundalk were out players for long periods. Hooban. Um, Paul Doyle, who I was kind of really impressed with at times, he had spells on the sideline too, and Greg Sloggett as well. So it, it does does bode well. Um, they're probably a bit, still a bit off in terms of challenging Rovers over the course of the season. You'd kind of look at it and think Derry again are probably best equipped to do that next year. But um, you know, like you say, his first season in charge, if you'd offered him European qualification at the start of that, and not only he, but I think everybody at the club would would have been delighted with that. 
yeah, and I mean, Dundalk, Dundalk fans won't care about this and, and it won't bother them the slightest, but is it a little bit of a sign of, particularly I'm looking at St. Pat's to an extent, but Sligo and Bowes in particular this season, who you might have you might have expected to kick on and both of them have finished, I think Sligo are seven points, eight points off the, worse off than last season, Bowes nine points worse off. They're two clubs that you maybe would have been looking at to, to push on this season and not, not challenge for a title, but to be in and around that European conversation never really happened for them. Now, that's obviously great news for Dundalk because they're able to, to push on themselves and they don't care what the other clubs do. But I guess it's just a, a symptom of the league at times that the clubs don't always push on when, you, when you'd expect them to. And there are all sorts of reasons for that. But it's, I suppose it's just the, the way the League of Ireland is, is going at the moment. Yeah, I think in both, um, in fairness to Pats, if they were to win today, I think they would only finish a point off last season's tally. But that would only be good enough for for fourth compared to second. So yeah. that kind of points at the, at the obviously the improvement of the Derry. Um, I think in the case of Bells and Sligo, you're looking at probably players' departures as the, as the main reason. You know, they, Sligo lost Johnny Kenny and John Mahan before the start of the season and then lost um, Ed McGinty during it. So they, they were pretty difficult players to replace. Mm. You know, you're, you're essentially talking about the spine of a team there, a keeper, a centre-back and a striker. Um, for Bowes, obviously, they... You know where do you start? At the, there's too many names to actually list off in terms yeah. of they, they let they let go. Now you, you, I guess the budget was still good um, at both. Um, so you would have, have hoped that the replacements that were brought in would have fared better than they did. Obviously they didn't, and there was kind of two stabs at rebuilding the team before the start of the season, and again mid-season. I mean neither, neither of them really worked. Um, but so yes, if like if you. It, there's always an opportunity. I feel as much as European money can consolidate the status quo, especially when it comes to the champions, obviously. But there, because of the, the the likelihood of best players leaving the league, especially young players, if you do get a, a few good young players in the team, the likelihood is you will lose them. There's always that kind of cyclical aspect that if you get things right, there there will be an opportunity to kind of break into that top three or four, and that's what that's what Dundalk have done. You know. Um, their recruitment has been better than those those other clubs that I mentioned, Bose, Pat, Sligo, and that's kind of where they are, basically. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just to turn our attention to Drogheda United then, um, you know, it's been a pretty pro- positive season in in the context of where they're at and what they're looking to do. And we know, we talked about players departing, we know, we know Drogheda lost pretty much their whole defence in the close season along with Mark Doyle and they were really decimated. Kevin Doherty did some really good business, brought in some, brought in quite a few players the likes of Evan Weir, Keith Cowan, Darren Nugent's in on loan, uh, Dean Williams has come in, has done really well. But they've tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season. Then they were safe with a few games to spare. They lost 6-0 last weekend. I was there myself. But they were down to the bare bones in terms of the squad. I spoke to Connor Hoy last weekend as well, who they're, they're just desperate to get money into the club. And, and they could be in real tr- trouble next year if they don't get that money in. And that's the kind of perilous situation a lot of clubs find themselves in every few years is Drogheda have gotten to a certain level now. They need investment to bring it on to the next level. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of, certainly not local anyway, people queuing up to put money into the club. Can you put your finger on why that is? Because I don't know, is it is it that the local clubs in some areas struggle to really connect with the local community? It seems like Dundalk have that. It feels like Drogheda are sort of missing that a little bit. But they certainly need to try and engender that because if they don't get money and they don't get players in for next season, they're going to be in, in real trouble, especially with Cork and possibly Waterford coming up. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like Dundalk's just been kind of probably traditionally, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm not, not a loud expert here, mm. but I guess it's, it, there's always been that stronger tradition, hasn't there? Of, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, that the, down the years the support's been there and I, I guess Drogheda are, are a newer club in some sense. Not that obviously they're not new in the block at this stage, but, uh, you know, they were they're certainly probably only finding their feet when Dundalk were winning titles and stuff like that. But um it is true, like you, even when Drada were league champions under Paul Dillon, uh, there's, there definitely seemed to be an upper ceiling in terms of the support they could attract. Now, part of that was probably because of the United Park, both in terms of its capacity and its facilities, that you know there was an upper ceiling in terms of what you could you could bring in. Um, and it, it is it must be very frustrating that, you know, like you say, I mean, the two seasons Drada have just had in the Premier Division have been by anyone's Estimation excellent. Uh, you know, Tim Clancy first season up, um, never in trouble of going down. Um, we're top half for large parts of the season. Obviously, a lot of players got rewarded on the back of that with moves elsewhere. Um, Kevin coming in, stepping in, dealing with that kind of exodus, and and have never been in trouble. Like I, you, you, you name name check them there. Evan Weir in particular, I've been really impressed with. I know like Dean Williams has got goals and that low standout, but Weir has been a, a real standout for me and. I wouldn't be surprised to see bigger clubs sniffing around him, but it it is a challenge. Uh, if if Waterford were to beat UCD um, in the playoff, that would mean that Drogheda would be the only part-time team as a, as it stands in the Premier Division next year, and it, it's it's very hard in those circumstances. Like this year, they were competing against UCD and Finn Harps, um, but it's very hard in that in that situation if you're you're the only one. Like you, you're constantly. You're trying to bail out like a sinking boat the whole time. You're just, you're, you know, it's. I don't envy anyone in those those circumstances because you are fighting one hand tied behind your back. Yeah, so it's going to be very difficult. And Neil, the the, the, the kind of deadline Connor Hoy was talking about for getting investment in was mid November. So I guess we've maybe another week or so to see if that if that money comes in and see where where Drogheda are going to be next season because we're obviously into the time of year where budgets are being decided and whatnot for next year. Just one broader um, point, and I was reading your piece. From a week or two ago, everybody was up in arms, of course, over Rotherham manager Matt Taylor talking about Georgie Kelly coming over and comparing the standard of, of uh, League of Ireland football to League Two, I think it was over there, uh, or even the National League, perhaps. And you mentioned the fact that five National League clubs 
at the moment have uh, higher attendances than Shamrock Rovers average, which is 4,726. It just put me in mind, like, is this ever going to progress? Are we ever going to move on? You talked about players there departing. Andy Lyons and like Shamrock Rovers can't even keep players, you know, so what chance have the smaller clubs got? And you were basically talking about how the standing in Europe hasn't changed in 20 years, that Ireland's kind of coefficient has stayed much the same as it was in, in 2000. Have you any confidence that, and I feel like we have this conversation every few years, that things will move on and that in, in five or 10 years' time, there will be a few new stadiums around the place Um players will be better able to keep their, their their clubs will be better be able to keep their players. Most clubs will be full-time in the Premier Division or all clubs will be full-time in the Premier Division and maybe some in the First Division as well. You know, you're covering the, the League of Ireland a long time now, longer than me certainly, but do you have any confidence at all that things will, will move on or will be still having this conversation in 10 years' time? Um, like, I think there are some encouraging signs. Like, uh, you know, this year was a good year in Europe, Um but, you know, that, the coefficient that you mentioned is calculated over a five-year period. So I would kind of want to see how we do next year and the year after before kind of jumping to any conclusions that we've, you know, made, made a breakthrough that we haven't made before. And the last time that we made, or the only time we made significant progress in Europe was in the late noughties, which was based on spending that couldn't be sustained. So nobody wants to go down that road again. Mm. Um, the, the crowds this year have been significantly up uh, so that that's another kind of reason to be optimistic. Um, the, the the stadium is the key issue, and you know, like Drada is kind of microcosm of the league in this because, you know, in terms of what what you're talking about investment, um, you know, that that that's what Drada need. And you know, if you could get to a situation where Louth County Council supplied Drada with a stadium, then, you know, the club suddenly becomes a, far more attractive to a whole host of people, whether it be supporters in terms of their match day experience, players want to go play there, investors because, you know, the one big infrastructural project that any club needs has been taken care of. Mm. So you don't have that kind of um, millstone around your neck, whether that be, you know, repayments for construction or taking out loan for reconstruction. If all you have to pay is what is usually a nominal rent, um, then that's, that becomes an attractive proposition. You know, like there are, there, there are signs of progress, like Sligo are ambitious with their plans. There was Good news on Dalyman Park this week. Hopefully that will progress as planned. Um, Shelburne are obviously looking to develop Talker Park on their own. But like it, the problem is a lot of it does happen at a snail's pace. Uh, obviously, Tala, sorry, their fourth stand will be completed soon. Um, but it, it's not, it doesn't happen at the pace that anyone would, would like. And as, and as long as the infrastructural improvements happen at that pace, then I don't think we're going to see exponential growth in the league. You might see it climbing kind of... Uh, slowly maybe steadily even but you know you're not going to get the, the big kind of breakthrough until you're talking about having 10 good grounds in the Premier Division where families are happy to go uh kids aren't wincing as they go to use the toilet facilities mm. or stuff like that you know um so that, that 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 is the key and there was a lot of talk kind of after John Delaney's departure about you know this is the time to kind of strike it you know really kind of strike uh, a deal with the government in terms of widespread investment both in terms of the infrastructure stadium infrastructure and academies and that seems to have gone quite a bit like i know there's this large-scale sports infrastructure fund which daily Mount park is in line for finn harps are going to benefit from too it probably hasn't been as widespread as we would have liked but the onus is on the clubs to, to come up with plans and then and then go and seek funding but it's you know i kind of feel like a bit of momentum that there was about uh, you know new fai 
new kind of future. That's been lost a little bit, and it kind of needs to be regained. The League of Ireland needs to be put front and centre um, because, you know, we've seen it, it, it over the last while with the, the way the game has gone in England. The national team is dependent on the League of Ireland on, for player development up to a point, and yeah. therefore we have to ensure the league is as good as it can be. Just as you mentioned it there, do you think that there's still a little bit of a hangover in the in the eyes of, you know, the public? And I'm just talking not even about hardcore League of Ireland fans, but casual football fans in Ireland that all the stuff that came out around the John Delaney departure and everything that was written in, in Champagne Football and everything else, do you think that that's done a huge amount of PR damage to the, to the brand of the FAI, which, let's be honest, probably wasn't exactly uh, pristine before John Delaney went, but even though he's gone a few years now and there's a new regime in there, and in fairness, they are trying to change things and there have been a lot of a lot of positive improvements. But do you think that in the eyes of a lot of the public, there's still a little bit of a stain on the FAI's name and, and maybe in some cases that prevents people from getting involved? I think so. I mean, it's, you know, the fact that they still haven't got a title sponsor, um, you know, reflects really badly, uh, you know, and I, I think you can certainly put some of that down to reputational damage without question. Uh, but I think... If anyone told us at this point the FEI would be still looking for a sponsor, um, you, you'd be surprised. You know, it's, it's still the biggest sport in the country in terms of participation. Mm. Uh, the interest levels are there. Um, so that, that, that's not great. I, I think the League of Ireland so, already kind of probably suffered a reputational issue prior to the, the, the real dark days of the FEI, and that's kind of hard to shake. Like, I think a lot of people uh, have a grow for, like, grassroots football in the same way as they would at GAA. But because players are paid in the League of Ireland, it's almost seen as a little bit dirty or tainted in some way. And, you know, it, because it's the players are paid, but then the perception is, that, well, it's not the high, high standard, even though they're paid. And that kind of, um, I think that affects when it comes to trying to get investment and sponsorship because, you know, people will hand, happily put their hand in a pocket if you're your local club where your kids might play on a Saturday, Sunday morning, if they're looking to build an Astro pitch. But, you know, the, most League of Ireland clubs don't have those facilities. And if they come looking for that money, I think there's probably that little kind of hesitation. I think, well, you're paying your players. Like, yeah. I don't want my money disappearing into the wages of players. You know, I want to see it um, where my kids can benefit, the local community can benefit. And I think that's, that's kind of a hard cycle to break. And uh, there's probably an onus on clubs to have greater community engagement and to, to show that if, if we can build these facilities, the community will benefit from them. And obviously all weather pitches can be used 24 hours a day if you want, you know, and they have a life cycle, but um, they can be used there for rental. And uh, I think that's kind of the key that maybe the, maybe that's an issue at local level that sponsors might be more likely to put um, money towards an underage team from a, a grassroots club than they would towards a League of Ireland club because they're kind of viewed as a commercial enterprise who should be able to raise their own funds, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely it. And, and you mentioned there getting out in the community and, and community involvement, which of course all pretty much revolves around volunteers and you're at the mercy of the people you can get in and go out and knock on doors and all that kind of stuff. So look, it's a whole, it's a whole uh, big, complicated problem, but uh, look, we'll just have to wait and see if, if things improve in the, in the coming years. Just very finally, before I let you go, looking ahead to next season, I know it's, it's still, uh, we're still at the very end of this season, but are we looking at a Shamrock Rovers, uh, Derry City battle for the next year or two? Do you see Dundalk uh, getting in the, in the mixer and maybe St. Pat's as well? Uh, I think it'll be between Rovers and Derry. I, I, you know, Dundalk and Pat's will certainly be the mix for Europe again, but I think in terms of the title, it's hard to look beyond those two. Um, it will be interesting to see what Rovers do. I think they, 
you know, the age profile on their side is 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 on the kind of the older age of the scale. So I think they do need to bring in some fresh players, whether that's from their academy system who are ready to step up to first team level or the players they can bring in from outside. Obviously, Alan Mannes has had um, a good season and I, it sounds like they're hopeful that he'll play on, but he is 40 years of age and whether they view Leon Poles as an adequate replacement, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'd imagine Derry will recruit again quite aggressively and um, improve their squad. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be between those two again next year. Okay, Neil O'Reardon, thanks so much for taking the call. No problem, David. Take care. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 